It's episode 648 of the Locked On Rangers podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about the Rangers getting swept by the Orioles, Cole Reagan's finally getting the call up, and three things that Rangers need to figure out by the end of the season. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, founder host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Thursday, August 4th. Your Rangers are 46 and 58. 12 games below 500. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. And the best way you can help grow the show is hit subscribe on YouTube and comment anything below. Now let's get into the worst news of the day first. The Rangers have gone 0-6 against the Baltimore Orioles this season. I don't think they play them another time, so they will be completely undefeated against the team with the worst record in all of baseball last year, whose main addition this offseason was Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles, who went and shut down the Rangers in this series. Um, I don't know that they, I can't remember that he pitched against the Rangers in the other series, but the Rangers have lost all six games to this freaking Baltimore Orioles team that is now uh, three wins above 500, still fourth placed in the AL East. They are above the Boston Red Sox that are absolutely tumbling out of the playoff picture. At one point, I think the All-Star break actually was when the AL East had all five teams above 500, a really darn good division. And the Orioles, while they didn't make a lot of external free agent options. They also traded away Trey Mancini and their closer at the deadline. They're still a really good baseball team because Cedric Mullins is a really darn good player. Adley Rutschman is an incredibly good player, and he just absolutely spanked the Rangers in this series. Had four doubles, had a three-walk game in this one, and just manhandled this Rangers squad. This was a great game by Martin Perez. Shocking Absolutely no one did give up a home run in this one to old Mr. McKenna, the left fielder for the Orioles, the number six hitter in this one. A couple of home runs were given up in this one. Robinson Chirino's former Ranger great had his third home run of the season. Of course, it came off of Matt Moore. The Rangers busted out their three most effective bullpen options they have in relief, and all of them gave up runs. Matt Moore gave up a home run, got one out, which was a strikeout and walked to and was pulled from the game. Jose Leclerc comes in and gives up a pair of runs on his own ledger. Then Jonathan Hernandez gives up a pair of runs for the first time in the major leagues this season to keep the game completely out of reach. Despite a ninth inning home run from Marcus Simeon, his 15th of the season, Jonah Heim had his 13th homer of the season to, I believe, yes, tie this game up in the bottom of the seventh inning, and it came off of former Ranger great Dylan Tate, because of course it did. But it wasn't enough for the Rangers. They couldn't do anything else offensively. There was an error by Martin Perez and a lot of base runners that he worked around. Six innings of just the one-run ball that came off of the solo shot, but five hits, three walks, and the error that allowed some base runners on. But again, Martin Perez did what he does best in work around base runners. He only threw 95 pitches in this one. I, I, 
since they were going to Matt Moore, it's hard to say, oh yeah, no, they should have gone to someone else, and I didn't feel good about the pen. But they're going, they're they're top three relievers. I mean, Leclerc has had his issues coming off of two years of missing baseball, but for the most part, he's recently he's had some really solid outings. Obviously, this one was not great. Jonathan Hernandez, I think, is the most effective option in this Rangers bullpen. I think even more so than Brock Burke. He did have a pair of strikeouts, did allow a walk and a hit and both of those runs to score, but he's still got the nastiest stuff in that Rangers pen that has a lot of questions to answer. Coming up later on in the show, we'll talk about what the Rangers need to figure out with their bullpen, who are some options that should be looked at, and who are some options that are in the bullpen right now that maybe shouldn't be there next year. But the Rangers offense went one for seven with runners in scoring position, left eight runners on base, and just did not have nearly enough base runners in this one. Bradish in this one was really good, really effective for the Orioles. Kyle Bradish, their starting pitcher, went five innings, allowed just three hits, three walks, one earned run in this one, and the pen was good enough. It was better than the Rangers' pen. It did allow a couple of home runs by Jonah Heim that just kind of sneaked right in there past that foul pole, um, and Marcus Simeon got a home run in the ninth inning to make it a little bit closer, but the Rangers were then down 6-3. to three. They still had to get three more runs in this one. Seager did get a walk, but didn't do a whole lot else in this one. Same with Haim and Symbian outside of their home runs. Just not a whole lot of offense. Josh Smith had a multi-hit day in reach base on a walk. Ezekiel Duran got a walk. That's always noteworthy because Duran does not walk a whole bunch, and that is the key for me to him taking that next step to be a starting everyday regular in the big leagues. Because at this point, I'm not quite sure about him or Josh Smith. They've shown some flashes. I've been really excited with what they've done. But overall, it has just not been great. And this is just incredibly frustrating. This is coming off of a trade deadline where the Rangers didn't do anything. They said, okay, we want to keep these guys. We want to keep Martin Perez. We want to keep Matt Moore. And we want to have that exclusive window to re-sign these guys. And... It just wasn't exactly super inspiring. They trade the guy in their pen who has been very effective and has several years of control left, but they keep the guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season and who has not shown a consistent ability to maintain this. Graded Matt Bush, his consistent ability to maintain this was in 2016 and 17, and he has missed most of the last three years, and he has had two Tommy John surgeries, and he is 36 years old. But still, still, he is under contract, and if you can keep him healthy, then he is going to be a good part of a good bullpen. But the Rangers did get a decent return on him. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. And I totally get the move, but I just am really frustrated with the not trading Matt Moore. I do like not trading Martin Perez. I kind of wish that I don't know, a little earlier in the season, they at least started talks about an extension so that they could be like, hey, we're in talks of an extension. I get that you want to work towards being a competitive team as soon as next year. And you're probably not going to pull an Orioles and just like have an Adley Rutschman come up or and the rest of your team just all starts figuring out and all of your bullpen, their entire bullpen is pretty much made of wire transactions. Just guys that they pick off that other teams are like, eh, they're not quite good enough for us. And pretty much all of them have worked out miraculously. I don't know how they did that, but it's pretty much just working outside of Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate has been there for a while with them and he has been fairly effective 
for them this season. Has a 2.31 ERA, and it would be nice to have him in the Rangers pen as opposed to the half season of a mediocre Colorado Beltron. But that's neither here nor there. Coming up, we're going to talk about tonight's starting pitcher Cole Reagans, his major league debut. What you need to know about the kid and how excited I am for him and what this means for the Rangers rotation. But first, this episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft your perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Now, Cole Reagans is a big leaguer. I am so freaking excited for this kid. He has been through so much. I have probably told the Cole Reagans story a million times, but I'm going to tell it once more because he is going to be a big leaguer. He starts tonight, Thursday night, against the White Sox, against Johnny Cueto, the old versus the young, the been there versus the not been there, the... Well, both these guys have had some injuries, but Cole Reagans has had a lot of injuries, a lot more injuries than any youngster his age should have. The 24-year-old was an absolute delight at Frisco Media Day. By the way, if you if you want to see his entire Media Day interview, go on to the Locked On Rangers YouTube, scroll down to Frisco Media Day interviews. I've got the full thing out there and some clips from there as well. But the kid is a dominant pitcher. First and foremost, he's a good kid, but he is a really darn good pitcher. The former first round pick by the Rangers back in 2016, 30th overall, has the name Cole. The Rangers had a special left-handed Cole on their roster at that point in Cole Hamels, and he followed him around like a little puppy at spring training and tried to imitate everything they did because they had a very similar profile. Both of them were fairly tall. Reagans is 6'4", listed at 190 pounds. Pretty sure he's about... 200, 205 now has bulked up a little bit into his adulthood body, if you will, but he is still a big, tall lefty with a decent fastball, touches 95. I'm not sure it touches much more than 96 at this point, but I was not in the booth watching his track man numbers for the start that I have seen him for. Actually, seen him for a couple of starts. Saw him last year and saw him once this year, and he was really darn good. The thing you need to know about him most is the reason why there were Cole Hamill's comparisons is this dude has a just disgusting changeup. Absolutely disgusting. One of, if not the best changeups I've seen on a Rangers prospect since, well, ever. It is really effective. He knows how to use it. He has been working a whole lot on his slider, but unlike some of the other prospects who in recent years have just completely gone away from using their main pitch because they know what they have in it and they know it's really darn good and they need to develop a third pitch, he has been able to keep that in the mix and still be very, very effective with it while working on that slider. He still throws that curveball every once in a while to kind of keep hitters off balance, but he's mostly a fastball, changeup, slider kind of pitcher. The command has been improved this year. The walks have not been nearly as big of an issue as they have been with some other guys in a couple of starts this year. His overall number is 18 starts, 94 and two-thirds innings this year between AA and AAA, a 304 ERA, and 113 strikeouts to just 31 
walks. Got a whip of 1.12, um, ground out about the same as fly outs, but he has been very, very effective at both levels. He's gone six innings in the vast majority of his starts in AAA and has allowed two or fewer runs in all but two of his AAA starts. Did have one blow-up start in Las Vegas where he gave up seven, but for the most part, he has been very, very effective. If you don't know why I was talking about the injuries, he's had two Tommy John surgeries and he is 24 years old. He missed all of 2018, 2019, 2020. He had the first Tommy John surgery after the 2017 season, his first professional year. He was pretty solid that year. 57 innings with a 364 ERA and 87 strikeouts at Spokane, the short season league that is no longer with the Rangers. RIP, pouring out for short season. But as soon as he got back from that first Tommy John surgery, he's on the mound, he's ready to go. Boom, another Tommy John surgery absolutely devastating and with tommy john in case you don't know it's three strikes and you're out you cannot have a third tommy john surgery so if he tears his ucl again that's it he's done playing baseball that's it for cole reagan's in his career so the fact that he was pitching in 2021 he also missed that season in 2020 because you know covid didn't have a minor league season then i'm actually not sure how healthy would have been how much he would have pitched in 2020 but he didn't even have the option for affiliated minor league baseball in 2020. So he comes up in 2021 and the Rangers start him in Hickory. You're like, okay, let's just see where this guy goes. The last time this guy played, he was 19. He was throwing in short season. He didn't have that much under his belt before that only had um, under 70 professional innings before that season. Then goes to Hickory, 10 starts averaging about four and a third, four and two thirds innings per start. Has a 325 ERA. Solid stuff. Really solid stuff. About a league average age there at 23 in high A. Then bumps up to Frisco. And the numbers aren't quite as great. But he is still pitching and his arm is still attached. Had a crap ton of walks at Frisco. Five walks per nine in 36 and a third innings last year. But we're like, hey, this guy is still pitching. He's still 23. He was 1.7 years younger than the average pitcher in the Texas League last year. And that was a hugely, hugely encouraging sign. Then this year comes out, looks absolutely dominant. The slider looks much better. The changeup looks as, as disgusting as always. And he is being able to stay in the strike zone. 2.5 walks per nine at Round Rock to 3.3 walks per nine at Frisco. 11.4 Ks per nine in Frisco. 10 Ks per nine in Round Rock. The kid is ready. The Rangers have a need in their rotation. I really think it's about time to be done with the Spencer Howard as a starting pitcher experiment. It's time to throw him in the bullpen, but he has been really good, and I am so excited for Cole Reagans to finally be a big leaguer. And, you know, there are a couple other notes that I wanted to touch on in the minor league because there are a couple guys who just got called up recently and have been absolutely crushing it. The first of those, I have not mentioned his name, I don't think, all season. And that is to my own detriment because this guy has been excellent this year. That's right. I'm talking about JP Martinez, Julio Pablo Martinez, the guy who the Rangers signed out of Cuba several years ago to a pretty darn big bonus. At one point was as high as 78 in the baseball prospectus top 100 prospects list back before the 2019 season. And since he's been stateside, he has just not done all that much. He has had some problems. He has been always a lot older than his average league 
Last year, he was about a year older than the average player in Frisco and had a 724 OPS. At that point, I kind of felt like, all right, this is about time to stop thinking of him as a prospect. He plays center field. He plays right field. He plays left field. And he played all those pretty fine, but the bat just wasn't quite there. It just really was not there. He was a decent center fielder, but like he, I didn't think that he was going to get to AAA. But this year... I kept looking at him and I kept looking at him. He is 1.7 years younger or older than the average Frisco player this year, or excuse me, the average Texas league player, I should say this year, but he was putting up good numbers, 66 games in double a, a 382 on base 449 uh, slugging percentage. That's an 831 OPS nine homers, six triples and seven doubles, 43 walks in 301 plate appearances. He didn't do a whole lot of walking before that, but this year, this year walked quite a bit. I thought, okay, okay, maybe there's a little something different there. Maybe it's something to keep an eye on, but he was still hitting like, I think highest of like sixth. maybe sometimes he'd be batted up higher in the lineup. And I thought, okay, why are you doing that? This guy is not really a prospect at this point. Then the Rangers call him up to AAA. And in nine games there, he has been absolutely annihilating the baseball, absolutely annihilating it. Four home runs in nine games there, as well as a double, a slash line at 357, 486, slugging 821. That is a 1307 OPS. He's got seven walks to just three strikeouts. He's been a terror on the bases this year. In Frisco, he had 25 stolen bases, was caught stealing nine times. He's been stolen five bases without being caught stealing in AAA this year. I think he is really making his push. He's still 26 years old. Like, there's still a big league career of several years to be had there if he is that fourth outfielder type. I think he probably could be. I don't know. He has really looked a lot different this year. I don't know exactly what it is about him. He is a left-handed bat, throws left-handed, but he... I think there's something there and it's not just because he has the exact same birthday as me two years younger, but <laughs> the exact same day, but still this is, this is a guy who I think could probably crack the Rangers roster who I think has a little bit more value than Nick. So giving him at bats might be a little bit more valuable and he might be able to do a little something, something there. If he gets a cup of coffee at the end of the season, if the Rangers wanted to open up one of those roster spots for him, I would not be against it. Granted, he'd have to continue what he's doing at Round Rock, but I'm telling you, so far, there's something different about him. And really quickly, Aaron Zavala got called up to A Frisco, and by golly, he's been crushing it. Made a very good first impression, had a home run, and I believe his first game, he has one home run and four doubles in his first four games, 19 plate appearances, he's got a 579 on base slugging 929 has five walks to just two strikeouts so far in fresco it's just four games but overall in the minors he's got 107 games under his belt an ops of 880 in the minor leagues had an 886 ops when the raiders call him up from hickory this year it's a little bit of a case of I thought he was a little older than the leagues, so he was just doing much better. 15 games in Down East last year, had an 867 OPS, was about league average age, but still felt on, a little on the older side, like he could have handled a little bit higher of a level. Same with Hickory. He was a little slow to get that bat going. I mean, the walks were nice. He didn't quite walk more than he struck out, but he still walked at an insane rate. 67 walks and 375 plate appearances is really good. But still, he's worth mentioning, and he might be an option in left field for the Rangers long term. Coming up, we're going to get into three things the Rangers must answer 
by, find out by the end of the season. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. You ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. I literally just ordered myself a box of these bars. Been checking my email and waiting and waiting and waiting for that box to come because they sent us a locked on host, a free box of that cookie dough flavor. And it is, oh my gosh, it's absolutely delicious. The cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they've got a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. You run to Built dot com snag yourself a box for you or the family it's the perfect treat or if you can find a really good hiding place in your own house these are ones that you might want to hide away from everybody else you just keep them to yourself because they are that freaking good you're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff wherever you need a box for your workout a late night treat or just grab a quick bite built is the pr perfect protein bar they taste better than a candy bar dish the calories fat and sugar grab yourself a built bar go to built.com use promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com now let's look at three things the reindeers must answer by season's end the trade line deadline is done and this is the time to put up or shut up and figure out how this season is going to end because right now it has not been good for the rangers so far this season it has been improved from last year but still not anywhere near where they want to be their pythagorean record is now exactly at four five hundred and so that's theoretically where they should be if they weren't so absolutely horrendous in these one run games 467 runs scored 470 runs allowed. The Rangers are minus three run differential and they are more than 10 games, 12 games under 500. Just absolutely astonishing. Number one, the Rangers need to extend Martin Perez and probably Matt Moore as well. John Daniels is an entire reasoning in bringing those guys back. Well, most of it. Part of it was impact on the young pitchers teaching them how to figure stuff out and yada, yada, yada. And that's something that we can't quantify. We, I am not in there every day. It is not really, even the Rangers who are there every day can't really quite quantify what that means. Having a guy like Martin Perez and Matt Moore who have been around the big leagues for so freaking long and can help these guys with routines and what to do when you're struggling and how to get better and all that, all that stuff that the veterans bring. It's not really a quantifiable thing. But another thing that he did bring up, which I think is the main thing, is that we want a few months to negotiate with these guys where we have an exclusive window to negotiate a count contract extension. Okay, I get that. But you also hadn't started doing that with Martin Perez. You probably should have started a little earlier. Like, I get it that he, you want to see, okay, are these numbers really, is this sustainable? Is this really who he is? Because even if he does fall back to kind of the old Martin Parrott. It's still a valuable pitcher and something that the Rangers need, a guy who can just eat innings. That's what the Rangers thought they were getting, a guy who would be a number four or five and just go kind of Jordan Lylesian, but like a little bit better and left-handed and, you know, grew up in the organization and likes it here, clearly. But that's not what they got. They got a top 10 pitcher in the American League, a guy who has been absolutely dominant, and they should assign him to an extension several years, not just three like four-year extension is something that should be on the table and considered. I mean, I think what the Robbie Ray deal was about four years, 104-ish million dollars, and that that could be on the table for Martin Perez, and that should be on the table for him. Adjust for inflation, and so maybe mark it up, what, 20% or however much inflation has been. But no, that is something the Rangers need to get done by the end of the season. He loves it here. The Rangers love him. He's been really darn good 
on the field and, you know, in the clubhouse. And he loves it here. Get this extension done by the end of the season. If you don't extend Matt Moore and you just lose him for nothing, that's going to be really, really annoying. But you should also probably try and extend him if you really think that what he's doing right now is sustainable. Get him under a multi-year contract. He is not old, even though he's been around for a while. Uh, Matt Moore is, where do we go? 33 years old. So he's still got some good seasons left. He's been really darn effective for you this year. And it's not like you have a crap ton of guys in AAA in the pen waiting to break that are breaking down the door to get into this pen. There are spots to be won, especially with Matt Bush being traded. There are spots there that are available in this range of bullpen. So sign him, have a pretty sure thing in your bullpen. Cause I know the Rangers are thinking about putting Brock Burke in the starting rotation next year, but you need at least one pretty darn sure thing besides uh, Dennis or excuse me, uh, not Dennis Santana, Jonathan Hernandez. And you need a solid left-handed option. Matt Moore has been that. So lock him down. Number two, find a pitcher to take Spencer Howard's spot in the rotation. I really like Spencer Howard. I think he's a really good dude. And, you know, seeing different clips about him showing his personality makes me feel bad, even worse, watching him pitch when he's not having success. He did have a five inning of shutout baseball on his birthday against the Angels. That was great. That was great. He didn't walk anybody to give up any home runs. And then this outing against the Orioles, he got shellacked yet again. In the vast majority of his outings, he has been straight up shellacked. He did have a half decent outing against the Orioles the last time, the first time he got called back up since his first time being sent down, but his second start against them in that call-up stint has just not been great. Granted, he's probably going to stay in the rotation until John Gray gets um, gets healthy. Even with Reagans in here, that gives you about a five-man rotation of Perez, uh, Dunning, Otto, Howard, and then Reagans. But then once John Gray comes back, I think it's time to just throw Spencer Howard in the pen, make him a hopefully really nasty reliever, maybe even a mediocre reliever. I don't know. But I, I just don't think whatever the Rangers are trying to fix about him is fixable as a starter. I think he's got some really, really nasty stuff. He's proven that in some of his outings, but it's just time. It's just time to go throw him in that pen. Let the stuff kick up to 99, maybe even 100. Let that nasty slider. Being a two-pitch pitcher is not is, is not detrimental if you're in the bullpen. Those two pitches are really darn good. Then let those two pitches ride. You don't have to worry about the adding in the third and fourth and fifth pitches that he has not been comfortable using consistently for the most part, at least early on as a starter. I hadn't watched his pitch selection as closely in this start, I know it was pretty darn good in the good start against the Angels, and it was better in the first start against the Orioles, but still, it's just not working. And I think it's time to give the kibosh on that experiment and pretty much admit that you have lost the Kyle Gibson trade. Now, is it Cole Reagans that sticks in that spot? Is it Cole Wynn that finally figures it out? Is it Houston Keiko that comes up and takes a spot in the end and maybe bumps even Glenn Otto out of his spot? I don't know. I wouldn't feel good about that. Or maybe is it Owen White? Has he been just that dominant at double A? He's only got four starts under his belt there, but I don't know. I think I'd rather see him in triple A for a little bit. If he dominates in like four starts there, then you give him a call up for like a start or two at the bigger level by the end of the season. Then like, that's the best case scenario for Owen White, but still he really hasn't pitched all that much in his minor league career. I don't think that that's going to be a thing that happens this year. Could he make the rotation out of camp next year? Absolutely. I really do think so. Cause the guy has been dominant 
at double eight in four starts so far. Still haven't gotten to see him in person. Very much looking forward to my first time that I'll get to go see him in person. But I don't think that's going to be this weekend. Pretty darn sure I'm going to go see Jack Leiter on Friday night. But the third thing that the Rangers need to figure out by the end of the season, figure out who in this bullpen is going to stick around. Is Dennis Santana really a major league reliever? He's 26 years old. He's got a ERA over five. He was just so darn good at the beginning of the season, but he has fallen off a cliff into a crevasse, like into the earth's core. That is how far he has fallen in the month of July and early August. He just keeps on falling. Maybe by the end of it, he will fall all the way out of the other side of the earth and deep into space. I really hope not, but that's the trajectory this guy is on. Brett Martin, again, similar situation, hasn't quite fallen off just as badly as Dennis Santana, and he has had some other seasons in the big leagues where he's looked really darn good, but I'm not quite sure at this point. I'm not quite convinced he is a lefty. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. Neither of these guys are big strikeout guys, despite Dennis Santana having a fastball that reaches all the way up there to 99 miles an hour. He's just a ground ball kind of guy. And as good as it is to occasionally have those guys, we've seen the Rangers have some success with Sam Dyson being a high velo ground ball guy and be in that closer rule and have some success. It There's a lot more variability if you're not striking guys out. And which guys are ready to come up? Is is John King ready to come back up and be a contributor? He showed some decent, some decent outings early on in the season. Those ended up being a little bit more smoke and mirrors than we thought. He hasn't been super great in AAA, has been super home run prone. But some guys like um, Yerry Rodriguez, Chase Lee, Nick Snyder. Nick Snyder, definitely more towards the end of that. But Rodriguez, I think, is definitely a guy who is just about ready. In the month of June, he pitched in 11 and two-thirds innings in AAA. 20 strikeouts and a 154 ERA. In July, he got rocked just a little bit, a 386 ERA. 9.1 innings and 13 strikeouts. He's been a lot better since that May where he had an ERA over 11. In April, he had an ERA over 7. He did start a couple of those games in April, but for the most part, he is just, excuse me, he only had the one start that was in June in the middle of his dominance. I'm pretty sure he was just an opener. So he's been, he has finally moved to the pen this year and been, for the most part, pretty darn good has a zero era in one outing in august so i think it's just about time for him to come up same with chase lee he had a rough start to his his time in triple a over the last month the month of july had a 338 era after having an era of 27 in june was not great for him in those first four outings in triple a but has settled down just a little bit had a little bit better of a walk rate just two walks and eight innings in july eight strikeouts five runs three of those were earned so just about ready the viper is to come to the rangers pen and that's another guy without a lot of strikeout stuff but we've seen again some guys who have better command and a really good sinker come up and thrive in the pen and maybe maybe josh spores i honestly have no idea at this point he is the most hit or mess hot and cold Katy perry type of bullpen pitcher and I would like the Rangers to figure out what he is. And I would like for me to figure out 
what the heck he is and what he's doing. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Range. I'll be doing a crossover tomorrow, talking about the Ranger Farm, talking a little bit about Cole Reagans and his first Major League start, I believe, hopefully, depending on when I record with Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects, talking about the Rangers draft as well. He has got a whole lot of thoughts on that. Also, go check out Locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. The Walking Baseball Encyclopedia. Get it wherever you get your podcast. That'll do it for today's episode of Locked on Raiders. Until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.